Oh, I'd give anything to get into the net cutters. Why won't those stupid idiots let me in their crappy club for jerks? What do they do there? What do they do? What don't they do? Oh, they do so many things they never stop. All the things they do in there, my stars. You don't know what they do there, do you? Oh, no. Hey, man, listen. I got a secret. I'm a net cutter. You're, you're a member of the net cutters? Ah, uh, sure. Let's see here. Oh, my cards. I'm a moose. Oh, this is my Hibern- Hibernian key. Oh, an Antifa. A Q. Oh, there's my scholarship offer from Keith Dambrot. For some reason. Uh, oh, oh, here it is. The net cutters. Here, here. Oh, this is it. This is my ticket in. They have to let me join if I got the official card. Uh, I'll, I'll take this offer for letter from Dambrot, too. I lost mine. Dambrot offered you a... Ah, oh, forget it. Let's hit the road. Wait a second. What's this? Who controls the bracket now? Who keeps Bonna's net rank down? We do. We do. Who puts mid-majors in 8-9 games? Who puts teams in based on names? We do. We do. Who controls the A-10's fate? Who fills your bracket with a bunch of states? We do. We do. Who robs the others of what they've earned? Who wants to see non-P5s burn? We do. We do. Oh, enough of this nonsense. SP Unfurled and Friends, episode 39. Let's all get drunk and play ping pong! everybody to episode 39 of SB Unfurled and Friends. Lilbon X here with SB Unfurled. Six wins in a row for our Bonnies. Six wins since I buried them. Literally had a funeral on Twitter for them. And we are 10 and 4 in the conference and now more than in the double by conversation. We have the inside track at of top four seed. Yes, we do. And I mean, this was the conversation in the last podcast we had about the looming potential GW game. But um, hopefully we don't even need that to get up into the top four. It looks like right now we're in fantastic shape because we swept St. Louis. So um, if that four or five race is between us and St. Louis, it's looking pretty good. But there is a chance that, you know, if we stay hot, we can get all the way up to the three seed this year. Yeah, we're recording right at the end of this VCU George Mason game. I think it'll be over by the time we finish recording. So we'll have a live update for you. Right now it's 55-50 VCU over George Mason with 622 left and Ace Baldwin shooting a free throw. We are, of course, interested in this because VCU is in third place right now. We would want to jump over them to get into third. And we can get into some of the matchups maybe a little later with VCU. But what are the main takeaways from just this this hot streak that we've been on? I I think we've seen kind of, at least the UMass and Rhode Island games were kind of the same game twice with, with a tighter first half and then we open it up in second, whereas the Duquesne game was just... Yeah. I mean, do you want to talk about Duquesne first? <laughs> oh my god they're down 36 <laughs> but UMass and Rhode Island I mean what did you see what did you see out of those two matchups at least well um I it looks like we just got our mojo back like after those back-to-back losses um I don't know if that was it or if it was the fans and and 
you know, them thinking, yeah, we got to prove to our own fans now, but it seems like whatever it was, this team looks fully healthy, fully energized. They look like they're having fun. Um, they're back to, you know, the dancing and the, you know, all the, the stuff that we saw last year and then in Charleston. So, um, just the energy has been different, but if you're talking about actual like X's and O's type stuff, um, not, it's the same thing as the last episode we put out, uh, before, I think it was before the UMass game. We, we were, I mainly was glowing about Dom Welch and you know, how, how good he's been. Um, I think that's really been the, the difference maker because we would just have these lulls during that month or two where, you know, we, we looked pretty shitty against almost any team we went up against other than like VCU, which is weird. Um, I didn't feel confident against anyone. And now it's so crazy how all of a sudden it's like, bring on everyone in the conference. I've gone from like being scared to play, um, at Duquesne to saying, (laughs) yeah, I can't wait to run roughshod over this conference tournament again. Um, you know, and that's the highs and lows of, of being a fan, of course. But like, I just think Dom Welch, when he's on and hitting from deep, it just changes the entire offense. Um, the, I think the spacing is so much better on the floor. Um, the ball movement has looked very crisp and Jalen Attaway has been really, really good. Um, him and Oshu and our are looking like the best versions of themselves lately. I would say, uh, Attaway especially impressed against Rhode Island. And, um, you know, it's tough to just chalk it up to, yeah, we just beat three really pretty bad teams. Um, because I saw a lot of stuff that I wasn't seeing, even when we played these bad teams in the past, you know, even like the putrid cop and States of the world. Um, so I just think like, this team right now looks like we expected them to look the entire season. Um, and it's, it's a weird, it's a, it's a really, really good act three so far. I would say act one was great. Act two was awful. And act three now um, is back to being great again. Yeah. Just to pinpoint Dom's three point shooting, he's shooting 57% in the last three games. That's insane. Ooh. I wonder what he was before that. From three. I, Oh, yeah, we'd have to look because um, he had some games where he was really off and streaky. But lately, I mean, he's I, I would say he's probably now been our best outside threat. Attaway was for a long time, which, you know, you didn't think that coming in. You were hoping it was Holmes, Welch or even Lofton. Um, and then, of course, we're forgetting now we have a fifth deep threat in Oshun Oshuni. Yep. Um, because, <laughs> Oshun, you know, all, Oshun, you mean Oshun hey, Oshuni three? Yes. All five of our guys can step out and hit the shot, man. So, <laughs> yeah, if you're Billy Lang and you're like, shit, they got a seven footer draining threes now. Yeah. Be jealous. Be I very will say jealous. all of I, our guys can hit threes. The form looked good. The form did look good. I, I do did. think that. It did. <laughs> I was down there watching practices in like probably October and ocean was taking a lot of threes. He was, I think he was mostly messing around, but I was like, this actually, this doesn't look bad. It doesn't look awkward. I, at that point I was like, obviously he's not going to be shooting threes in games, but I was hoping like maybe he extended his range out to the 12, 15 foot range, which he doesn't really take those mid rangers all that often. But um, yeah, I mean, that was the, the Riley center exploded when he, oh hit that. and then the next trip down, he got the, and one on yeah, a nice alley-oop. lob from, yeah, lob. from home. Yep. The lob from Holmes. That was really good. Yeah. <laughs> and he finished and converted. He's been shooting free throws really well. I think, I think Oshun is finally stepping up on offense. And the three pointer aside, as much as we love that he's put up double doubles or not double doubles. He's put up, uh, double figures in each of the last five games almost had a double double on on tuesday night he's just been tremendous it's been pretty hard for anybody to stop him he didn't miss a shot against duquesne he was seven and nine against <laughs> umass nine to ten against st louis he only missed three shots against st louis in those two games yeah and i think that down low threat is where we've lacked any consistency for the 
the middle part of the season that that act two as you referred to it because that was when he either wasn't scoring as efficiently or just wasn't getting as many opportunities and that's definitely something that's a strength for us if he can get open down low and if he's gonna actually unleash a three-point shot i i don't i don't want to put that out there but if he is going to do it that would that would be a drastic uh late season game changer <laughs> yeah he's just been hiding it for four years and he's like oh here we go it rem- well, if he wants yeah. to go to the nba he really needs to develop it yeah i mean you just saw carl anthony towns win the three-point contest as a yeah. seven footer um and oshun like he's he's so much better with his with like the ball facing the basket right um if they dump it into him with his back to the basket sometimes he struggles like to, if he's turning a certain way um and it doesn't look like really it you know if there's a decent defender down there and he gets the ball this back to the basket sometimes it is pretty difficult for him to get it to go through but when he has his face when he's facing the basket like he's so good and these guys just lob it to him and lob it to him and lob it to him um him and loft have been playing together for like seven or eight years so i mean these two know each other so well um and then Oshun also, like, I don't know, on the defensive end, it looks like he's just moving a lot better. Um, he's he's blocking shots at their highest point again. He had a goal 10 that was pretty obvious last game. But, like, yeah, other than that, he's been – it seems like he's been – yeah, it seems like he's been, just been more aggressive defensively, um, moving better. He looks a lot more agile. So I don't know if that back and hip were bothering him through stretches of the season, but um, hopefully he can – he cannot get bumped around too much in the last three games and going to DC healthy because he just has like a different bounce to him now. Yeah, I've, I've seen that more. And I think with some of the matchups, that's going to be important, whether it's Breakovich, whether it's Holmes, the, the Dayton Holmes, which I, I'm kind of more worried about Dayton than Davidson right now, but that's another point. Mm-hmm. I think he's really taken that step up though. Oh shoot. And that's, that's going to be important because I hadn't really seen that development out of him. And I know again the three pointers. That's a for as far as we know right now, it's a bit of a fluke. But I've I've seen the development more on on offense for the past few weeks. VCU has gone on a run. They have gone ahead by fourteen now, so it looks like they're going to pull that off. Yeah, um, I think we're going to um, project that here on ESPN for all the friends that just a, VCU we need the, will get that win. The CNN projection when when a state's yeah. about to be called. <laughs> we're going to call that for them, but I. I think if we want to get into the double buy talk, it's, you know, we still can play them and beat them and that would still be enough for us to potentially pass them. But before we get into all that though, I still want to talk about Attaway. I, I, I've said it many times on here that Attaway has been the, if he's not the best player on the team this year, he's definitely the most improved player on the yeah, team. Yes. And it's finally like really paying off. He's mm-hmm. gotten 20 points the last two games. He, Actually, he hasn't scored. He scored in double figures every game since that Virginia Tech debacle, which we barely scored double digits as a team. So, (laughs) and all the games in 2022, he's put up at least 10, actually at least 13 points. And it's not as if he's just getting a bunch of layups. Like most of those shooting shots are right at the rim. No, Attaway has those fadeaway jumpers and he steps out from three more. He's he's coming on. I, I think I'm, I'm really happy to see how much he's developed, especially because he's been kind of out of position. He would probably be playing that typical Demetrius Conger, Courtney Stockard slashing forward yeah. as opposed to a four. And he's able to kind of, you know, it's not a slashing forward, but he's able to do some of those slashing forward things while also stepping up as a big man. And, it's been helpful. It's been, it's carried us through so many stretches in the season where I honestly think he should be getting more buzz for first team. I know some of the analytics may not be pointing to that, but if you look at how he's kept us in some of these games where we probably could have gotten beaten, like, I mean, he had 16 points in a game against Duquesne on the road where that that game was kind of dicey, but he was able to score a lot. I I think, Mm -hmm. I just think he's, I think he's got a lot to offer. I think he's I think he's really developed and I think he's, you know, I think he deserves more love in the conference. I agree. I I agree. He's very underrated. Um so much so that I like I'm almost wondering if he's the best NBA prospect on the team. Like he would 
he's playing the four in the NBA. You'd you know in the league, you would have probably have to play the two. Honestly, he's six yeah. five. He's a he's a measly short six five man. Um, no, mm-hmm. but like in the NBA, if you're six five, that's like you're the point guard of the two. You know, so but he's just he has that athleticism. He has the mid range jumper down. He can extend it out, which you have to do in the NBA and shoot the three. Um, Plays, he plays, he plays great positionless defense. basketball. Yeah, he does. He does. And that's so, big for the NBA. He plays positionless basketball. So yeah, so I, I, I agree. Know, like, I, I'm not going to say he's NBA ready, but I mean, he No, he I don't. Has the same style. I mean, like, who right now has the best shot to, to play in the NBA? I'm saying right. is the best shot at this point Attaway. It's something to, like, I, I don't know. Um, I'm certainly no NBA scout, but it seems like he – He's the he's the only one of the five that's taken a big step forward this year, I think. Um, yeah. And, you know, that was it's not that's not unexpected, to be honest. Like you make a big jump from your freshman to sophomore year, usually um, even from your sophomore to junior year. But from your junior to senior year, especially if you've gone to prep school or had a transfer year like all these guys, except I think Holmes, um at this point, you know, the, you're not taking a huge, huge step, right? You're kind of like, well baked in. You're not really developing yeah. much. The the thing is, is, you know, maybe other teams either get worse by getting, having guys graduate and they get younger and you get a, an advantage that way. Or other teams really, really improve like a, a Davidson type who had, I feel like a lot of sophomores turn into juniors um, and then they have some seniors too, but uh, yeah, Attaway has been really impressive and he's going to be huge. I think like if, if teams are watching game film of Bonas Rhode Island and they're looking at like how to guard us, what they're going to say is that we got to play a two, three zone against this Bona team because when Rhode Island went into that two, three zone, like we really struggled and we, I think we've struggled at times against zones, Um, even the most basic, simple zones, if they're thrown at us, sometimes we look a little rattled for a few possessions. Um, so my point is if teams do see that and they do start throwing more zone at us, if VCU throws a, a hectic zone at us, Attaway is the most important offensive player, um, in those half court sets, like even more so than Lotham. He like, he's so good at getting into the middle of the zone getting into that free throw line, getting the ball, turning around. He can pump fake. He can drive. He can kick it out. He can back up. Like he is just um, a Swiss army knife out there. And not only just getting into the middle of the zone, but um, prowling the baseline, like wait, like going from side to side on the baseline, waiting for an oop or waiting to get a backdoor feed and a dunk. Um, Hmm. He's so impressive. Like in those half court sets, I love watching that. And I loved watching him versus Antoine Walker. Those two like Walker, I think said something to Attaway. And after that, Attaway just went ballistic and scored like eight straight points. And every time down the floor, Attaway was giving him the shh sign of his finger and um they were chirping back and forth that was a really good first half matchup okay that's who it was because somebody asked me if he was shushing the student section like because they were doing that a while ago a few weeks a few games ago i forgot which game it was was it the st louis game um holmes was doing it holmes was okay yeah yeah um okay so i don't antoine walker it man, it looked like he was looking right at him. You might okay. be right. I mean, but it looked like, and they were. I saw him talking to each other, and they were. I think they got into a little jump ball scuffle, and Attaway, you know, took the like. There was definitely a little bit of a rivalry going on there. It seemed like to me. Well, that's interesting that he was, you know, doing that. But I guess are there any final takeaways that you got from any of those games? Because I think UMass was one instance where we did see that three-point defense lacking, but I also think that it was able to get short up pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and I think we did a good job. So what do you what do you think? About those three games, like the last yeah, three? Yeah, any, any other big takeaways from them? Um, Anything from no, not so much. Cool? Like, no, I, mm-hmm. you know, we saw Koulibaly and Oshun in there f- together for the first time. Um, yeah, these, I don't. Schmidt was trolling everybody who's <sighs> been saying free Quadri to say, you know what, we're gonna put Quadri or we're gonna put Koulibaly and Oshun in at the same time. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost, I, I'm like ninety nine percent sure that he sent Quadri Adams to the the check in table, and then. 
pull them back out to the bench and then put Kulamali oh. in. Oh no. Um, <laughs> but Rhode Island runs out those big lineups. Like if there is ever a game you're going to see, I don't think we're going to see it again. Um, unless like we play Rhode Island on Friday in the tournament or something, if they upset someone, but, yeah. uh, they just roll out, you know, those Mitchell twins are huge. Six, nine, six, ten. Antoine Walker's big. He's a, when they have Walker in like at the three or something, that's a really big lineup to have Attaway guarding one of the Mitchell twins. like. So I, I can see why that happened. Um, it's not too surprising. But first play in, I think first possession, uh, I believe it was Oshun, gets it at the high post, feeds it down into Koulibaly for a layup, their first yeah. possession together. Um, so that was pretty good. I don't think we're going to see it again, though, uh, especially against St. Joe's or um, or Richmond even. Yeah, that was towards the end of the game, too. So that was a little quirky just to like throw in that little wrinkle and maybe Schmidt was, maybe Schmidt was testing it, seeing what, mm-hmm. what it was like. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, like not, we did what we needed to do. Uh, not according to the metrics, of course, but um, uh. just in the sense that we got to just keep winning. Uh, and after the Davidson and Richmond back-to-back games, when people are just saying to me, well, we just, we literally have to win out now. The way we were playing, I was like, well, you know, that's definitely not going to happen. Um, and Especially you know, with our lack of a bench and playing games almost every three days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like, I remember February 5th, I woke up. We had just lost to Davidson and Richmond. We have been playing absolutely awful. And we have like seven games in, you know, <laughs> seven games in eight days or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I mean, absolutely no, no way does this team win out like we did in 2018. Here we are, um, you know, not even a month later, and it's looking, it's definitely looking possible. Definitely looking better than it was, but you touched on something I was getting ready to bring up. We joked about the Illuminati that controls the net rankings before yes. the cold open. This net stuff. It's just getting ridiculous. We're just looking at so many of these different resumes, like Oklahoma at 4-11 and 11 in their conference. And I saw one stat that said Houston, who's number four overall in that ranking, they don't have any quad one wins. Not a single quad one win. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. They're 0-3 quad one. And they're, <laughs> you know, they're, man, uh, 16 days. They haven't, they've only lost one game all season. So yeah. they're third. I think. At least they have only one loss, yeah, for the whole season. But it's just ridiculous how uh, these. Oh no, I'm I'm wrong. They've lost four. They're oh three and quad one. Yeah. Oh, okay. twenty two and four overall. Okay, but, but still, yeah. I guess I guess the overall point is this this net stuff. The net just does not seem to be making sense. Where it's like you get typecast into one particular part of the net rankings, and you yeah. can't dig yourself out of a hole after one hiccup like look i know the virginia tech game was absolutely terrible dayton wasn't much better but those are two small blips where all these other teams get like 10 12 losses and they're still like miles ahead of us so Mm -hmm. what do you make of what's going on right now people were saying you know when probably a month ago they're like well maybe even a month and a half ago they said the longer the season goes on, the less and less the Virginia Tech debacle is going to matter because it's instead of being ten um, percent of the games you've played, it will be only five percent or you know even less, uh, and it'll slowly start to matter less and less. So I've been waiting for that to happen, and it, it doesn't seem to be happening at all. Like you said, it seems like. Once the net comes out and you play maybe 10, 11, 12 games, once you get about halfway through the season, um, you're kind of just like stuck where you are. And it's unless you're beating a really, really good team on the road by like double digits, you're not really making too many um, significant jumps. Uh, you're not making up ground and chunks at all. Like it's it's been a what six straight games and we've we've gained i don't know five six five seven spots, spots? <laughs> yeah like that st louis the game at st louis jumped us up quite a bit at that time but like st louis has dropped some games and maybe that's counting less and it's like 
we haven't really made up much ground. If you would have told me we're going to win six straight games, including a sweep of St. Louis, I would have been like, man, even if we're winning these closely, our net's going to go up like 15, 20 spots. And we've won some of these handily, handily, like Duquesne and, you know, Rody, we controlled that game. Even St. Louis, like we pretty much handled them. And really just no movement at all. Um, yeah, the roadie so game surprised me because they're only 135. In that. I thought that would have been a bigger jump. Yeah, but I. Yeah. Clemson I think upsets that, I think Wake got, Forest. That's good. What's that? That's a good win for us. Clemson upsets Wake Forest. Hey, hey let's go. Because, yeah, Clemson's getting close to being a quad three. We don't want that to happen. So they'll they'll they'll, they'll get a good boost from there. Yeah, for sure. But I think what we need to do is we really need to have a good win at VCU. I think if that v, if we win at VCU, that'll be quad one, and that'll be uh, that'll be a significant boost. I think because it's possible we can beat them. I mean, their game is finally ending right as I'm talking right now. Clock hits zero seventy two sixty six, but George Mason just crept back up into this, and the Seagull Center they don't have the same home court advantage that they've been having the last few years. So it's entirely possible. I think we have good matchups with them. We can get into a little bit later. So just to get back to the metrics, I think that would be huge for us to get that VCU win. I'm looking at Dayton's net history right now um, because they won at VCU by, I think, 30. Do you remember that game? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They won 82 to 52 uh, at VCU. Oh, um, so I pulled theirs up and they... They were 76 at the time, right? On February 1st, they were 76. Um, pretty good comparison because we're 83. So that's we're right in that ballpark. Um, right. So they, on February 1st, were 76. They go into VCU. They win by 30. And they jump 16 spots all the way up to 60. So, but that took a 30 point win at VCU. I mean, you got to play out of your mind to score 82 points at VCU against one of the best defenses in the country. Um, So I'll take a one point win. But even if we won by 30 points at VCU, we're going up like 15 spots, 20 at the most, maybe even like 12. Um, and that's still a great jump for one game, but that just shows you how hard it is now for us to make up ground. And the fact that that was like six or seven games ago. So that game at the time counted for a larger percentage of their metrics than our game against VCU will count for ours. So if we go into VCU and win by 30, we're going to jump like 10 or 12 net spots. <laughs> um, I, I may jump, you know, like- 50 net spots on my heart rate or something yeah. if that actually happens. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's, that's how it is. The net, uh, it seems like with more and more data coming out, the formula to manipulate the net. And a lot of the P fives have figured this out is you buy teams like Houston Baptist or UTSA or some of these shitty teams who are like in the bottom 10% of the country buy them, beat them by 30 crank your net up. Once you get to conference play, you're just playing a bunch of teams that have done the same. Um, so if you lose, you're losing to a good team and you don't, you don't fall. But if you win three games out of 15, you're like going to be on the bubble apparently because you beat a bunch of other teams who just hammered on a bunch of cupcakes. Yeah. It's that self-fulfilling it's a kind of like snake eating itself kind of it just keeps feeding into the conferences like the big 12 and the big 10, which ugh, that's just ridiculous. And then, but- yeah. And then like the, the deck is so stacked against the non P fives because not only is that happening, but they go from 16 conference games to 18 conference games. And then they go up to 20 now and other leagues are looking at if they haven't already said they're going to 22 conference games. And then the other, Nine are going to be three of them will be in a, a tournament against maybe a mid-major or another P5 or two. And then all the rest, the other ones are all going to be games against awful teams that they buy. The mid-majors are not going to be able to play these P5 teams unless it's well, in Duquesne a, a will. tournament. 
Duquesne will get plenty of those. Duquesne games. will get bought. Yeah. <laughs> Keith Dambrow will take that check, man. He will. And oh, then, man. and then instead of playing in their beautiful new arena, they're going to go to LeBron James's high school and play in front of no one and not even have a stream <laughs> for Please fans. Please extend Keith Dambrow. If yeah, anybody from Duquesne is there. listening, extend him. Give him a 20 year contract. Yes. Please. Yes. I will He's co-sign. doing incredible things. Very remarkable. <laughs> I will co-sign that. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they, and, and real quick, Duquesne, like people think Dan Brat's not going to be around next year. He's got two years left on his contract and he will not get bought out because Duquesne spent all their money on the arena and they have no <laughs> money to buy him out. The arena nobody sits in. And right. still even Except Keith Dambrat. <laughs> Except Keith Dambrat, who now they can't get rid of because they built the arena. Oh man, it's an enigma. It's a oh, you just hate Duke's to see enigma. it. it couldn't mm. happen to a better group of pe- group of right. team, a good, better right. team. It just couldn't happen to a better crew. Man, it's a Solomon esque team this year. <laughs> <laughs> you hate to see it. You hate <laughs> to see it. One final point about the net, though. I guess two final points. Um, kind of going back to what Rusty Tutton from BracketForecast.com said on our last episode. The net isn't really about your net as much as it's about the net of the teams that you're beating or playing. So maybe it's a little too much for us to get hung up on it. I just have a hard time seeing us getting in, in the eighties, but I think yeah. for us to even being the at large conversation, it's going to take a win at BCU and then maybe a neutral site win in DC against Dayton or Davidson. Mm-hmm. That would definitely help elevate us a bit, but it also yeah. matters about who's around you. And we had a very good day on Tuesday not only because we won, but Boise State pulled one out over San Diego State. San Diego State is a bubble team, and Boise State isn't—they're not, not a lock. But Boise State should be good, mm-hmm. which is wonderful for us. They're now our best win, even better than Marquette, who's also pretty much a lock. Yep. But San Diego State lost, and they fell behind us, according to Joe Lenardi. Yeah. Who else lost? Florida lost to Arkansas. Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma got throttled by Texas Tech, but probably still jumped up in the net. Can't believe we're case. even talking about them. Four and eleven. Four and eleven. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> Remember and, when we started that season four and ten? What was that? 2019, 2020? Yeah. No, 2018, 2019. Overall, yeah, yeah. We were overall. four and ten overall. Like, oh yeah. my God. And they're still uh, uh, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, we have we were able to jump up into Lenardi's first four out, which is it seems kind of crazy that that happened but first four out or next four first four we're Were the fourth team we're the oh yeah oh no kidding as of uh as of wednesday okay well you know that could have we i reached out to try to get him on with the saint joe's game coming up um still possible he gets back to me could be a great guest to get on again he was on last year um St. Joe's guy. So it would have been cool now that we're, you know, next four out or first four out, excuse me. But um, maybe it's time I start putting together those uh, infographics of teams we have to root against. Right. Yeah. We, we need to see that some more right now. I've actually got Virginia tech on and Virginia tech's playing Georgia tech. This is a weird circumstance because Virginia tech is a bubble team, but we also want that loss. That was terrible to look not as bad. So it's- yeah it's a the pro here's the problem <laughs> here's the problem with virginia tech being a bubble team if it comes down to us and them oh, obviously okay. <laughs> they're not yeah. even gonna need to look at the resumes it's just gonna be like virginia beat tech them beat them by 40 well <laughs> that's quite the tiebreaker you know so yeah i mean if they're even like around where we are that's that's kind of awkward you know it's like seeing a horrible ex that you know, brutalize you and dumped you or something at a, at a party. It's like, just <laughs> keep them, get to another party, get even into like the, the first four in or something or the first four buys. I'd rather yeah, have them up that high. I would rather have Virginia tech just like win out, just like win out. And then they're like a nine seed and that boosts up a, us a little bit and makes yeah. that, ugh, that, that 37 point turd. Slightly less terrible. They even play to look go out. Maybe they'll have a good schedule at the end. Um, it, um, oh, well, they it, play it looks... Miami. They play Miami next on Saturday, and that's you know that's another bubble team. Then they play yeah. Louisville and Clemson. They should beat Louisville and Clemson. Yeah, I mean we played Clemson too, so that kind of 
negates itself out. Mm -hmm. So getting back to our schedule though, St. Joe's and VCU are coming up here. We beat them both at the Riley center. Now these both are on the road. We're actually surprisingly only three point favorites at St. Joe's according to Ken Palm. I hope Vegas is listening to that because I will absolutely take us all the way plus or minus three. That's a, yeah, that is a surprising uh, spread that he has on there. Um, The one thing I'm looking for in this game, I feel like Jaron Holmes last really good game was against St. Joe's. Um, And he really, I thought took advantage of some good matchups that they had. But other than that, I mean, he was just on like he was, his floaters were falling. He was attacking the rim and finishing. That seems like really his last very good game. I would say Um, he was the best player on the floor that, that day he had 20 points. Um, So if you're looking for the perfect game for Holmes to get out of this little slump he's in, this is the one I'm going to be looking for. Um, it, you know, Mark Schmidt has all the faith in the world in Holmes, um, so much so that he Holmes has played more minutes than anyone on the team. Yes, that is because of Lofton's injury too, but he plays 40 minutes a night um, almost every night. And Schmidt has a lot of faith in him still. And Schmidt's going to ride him the rest of the season until he um, – gets off the schneid until he gets back, you know, gets his rhythm back because Schmidt's gamble, not even gambling. He knows that if this team's going to go on a run in DC and make it to the tourney and even go on a run in the tourney, it's going to be those five guys. Um, Adams will get a ton of minutes next year. So will Koulibaly. He's riding these five guys the rest of the way. Um, and he's just going to hope that Holmes comes out of his, his slump because, I mean, he's been, you know, f- pressing it a little too much lately. I think, like, trying to get some fouls called that aren't getting called. Um, yeah. So I, I I think, like, I'm looking at the St. Joe's game for him to to get back into it. Yeah, he's fifth in the nation in minutes, too. So that just, yeah. that shows you all the trust that Schmidt has in him. I think when it comes to the St. Joe's matchup, they play teams tight. Even even the, our game against them wasn't really a that wasn't like the Duquesne blowout. Let's put it or the, even the Fordham game, like it was it was fairly tight. I I think I think we match up well with them. I, I'm not afraid of many players on their team. Not even Jordan Hall. I think Jordan Hall has been the most overrated A10 player in the past few years because I don't I don't get all this. NBA love. I just don't understand it at all for him. Yeah. I mean, he's decent, but I've I've seen enough St. Joe's basketball to know that he doesn't really stand out much. And I don't think it's just because they're targeting him. Eric Reynolds has been really good for them, but I trust Lofton or Holmes to be guarding him. I I just I don't see I don't see where St. Joe's really has any advantage, any any one position where they can say, you know what, this guy can definitely. Uh, out overpower the Bonnie's counterpoint. Yeah, I, I, th- I just feel like they're a little too finesse. Um, Lang likes to play like an NBA style offense almost. Um, Taylor Funk is capable of going off, and you know he's gone off in the past and scored like over thirty points against multiple teams. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that always worries me. Just a guy is going to catch fire like an A.J. Green and just absolutely go bananas. Um, that's my nightmare right there. I don't, I Like you said, I'm not too worried about Hall. Reynolds might get his, but he had a great game against us before, and I think our guys are going to shut him down more. Um, Funk and Hall were both off. They were both two of seven from three in the Riley Center. And, you know, Hall one of five from two. He was he was really bad, but I, the, the, my biggest worry is funk just catching fire and just going off. Like that's how they can beat us is if we have, we just, if our shots aren't falling, if Welch just happens to have an off night and funk goes off, it's over. Like it's, it's over. It's like a Tyler Burton situation in Richmond. Oh, don't even put that out there. Yeah. I mean, that's, but that's how they, that's, that's how they would be. That's their blueprint to beat us is hope, funk goes off like that's it 
and we and have to just s- hope that we he doesn't. We've been so dominant against St. Joe's in the in the recent oh, yeah. history. Like it's it hasn't even been close in some of these games. I mean, we obviously look at the the insurrection game, but I feel like we haven't really been even close to them in so many of these games. Basically, since that 2014 semifinal in the A10 tournament when we were up 19 to 10 and then just like completely fell off the edge of the cliff. That was that was a really good uh, St. Joe's team, and then they were good again in. 2016 i think they were the best team in the conference but we swept them um though they were our best two wins that year when we got snubbed our best two wins were against st joe's one of those was posley going bananas in rochester for uh i think 47 or excuse yeah. me 37 or 47 yeah no you're right 47 yeah, yeah by the way we have won 14 out of the last 15 games Against St. Joe's. The mm-hmm. one loss was at St. Joe's in 2018. 85 to 78. 28. Oh, that was uh so <clears throat> that was the year we had we got the at-large bid. This this these two schools, I want to be a really good rivalry because if you look around the league, we don't I feel like we don't really have a cutthroat rival in the A10. I, I wish try to it, get the Duquesne stuff going, but that's kind we, of a me thing. We, we just being pissed off about the A-10 yeah. tournament last year. <laughs> oh, I mean, Bonas and Duquesne are rivals, but like it's not a heated rivalry because they don't, honestly, they just don't have that many fans. They're not yeah. a very passionate fan base. How can you have a rivalry with that? But, but St. Joe's does when they're Saint, on. Yeah, and the the issue with St. Joe's, like, I think they're a, they would be a great rivalry for us, but they were really, really good for. And if you go back and look, what'd you say? We've won fourteen to fifteen. If you go back and look, I bet they won hmm. at least fourteen to fifteen against us. So when they're really good, we were really bad, and now we're really good. They're really bad. So we haven't really been good at the same time to have that rivalry. They won fifteen out of fifteen. There you go. I, yep, <laughs> including um at home at in, in philadelphia they won 114 to 63 that was in 2004 when they were just that was in the, in the riley center i think no that was, one was, that that was a, oh that, that was, was no no equally, you're right so. yep that one was at the riley center we went to hagen we went to hagen arena and we only lost by 32 yeah. <laughs> later that season i think i remember like mo young coming down and hitting a three to open the game and we went up three nothing and i was just going bananas and then they went they just went on like a 25 nothing run or something they I'll have to go back 114 <laughs> yeah. to 60 run yes that's <laughs> but yeah I, I i enjoy playing them when they're better i mean we look at the andrew nicholson game in 2012 yeah the students are on break triple overtime mm-hmm. 10th anniversary that's, that's coming up soon oh my god it is on was it on 26th. It was, was on a leap put... day. It was on a leap day. It was on leap day, February 29th, 2012. So, oh, it was the 29th. Was yeah, 26th. it was weird. It was the 29th of February. So, I guess it's next wow. Monday, next Tuesday. I don't know what you celebrate when you're 29th. Um, let us know if you have a birthday. If any of our SB Unfurled and Friends listeners have a birthday on February 29th, let us know. When do we celebrate this 10 year anniversary of the Nicholson? St. Joe's game. Do we celebrate it? <laughs> do we celebrate it on the 28th or do we celebrate it on the 1st? I'm putting it out on the poll right now. Hold on. Hold Put on. it on the poll. Let me type this up real quick. Hold on. <laughs> the classic 2 OT game against St. Joseph's happened on leap, a leap day, February 29th. When do we celebrate the 10th anniversary? What is your vote? I want to say the 28th because I feel like it's still February. Like, I don't know what leap year babies or leap day babies do. It's it's interesting. I don't I have no idea. It's also kind of a quick aside. There was a baby born at two twenty-two a.m. in North Carolina on February twenty-second, two thousand twenty-two. I hope that wow. baby gets a Matt Mobley jersey at some point. Yes, <laughs> or Sam Stiff. Get a Sam Stiff or jersey. Eric Mosley. Yeah. Also, the number twos for Bonas. <laughs> Quadri Adams. A Quadri. That's right. Jr. Bremer. Many, yes. many greats, many greats. Wow, what a what a birthday. Happy All right, Tuesday, I'm putting this out. I agree with you. Um, weird to have it be a different month. Yeah. Um, so you celebrate it like the night of February 28th on the eve, on the eve of it. You know, you don't, you celebrate Christmas Eve still. You celebrate Christmas on the 24th still a little bit. You know, people have yeah. gathered. You don't celebrate Christmas at all on the 26th. 
granted, you know, it's the same month, but like March 1st seems weird. Yeah, I think we came to that consensus, but let us know. And if you're Leap Day baby, let us know. I'm always interested what the hell they're supposed to do there. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to get into any of the A10 scenarios? I mean, it's hard to tell what you want to talk about, but it's like, I know we've been beating the drum about whether or not we're going to play that GW game. There's no indication that we're going to, but I mean, these games can also get scheduled in the matter of minutes, hours. So yeah. we don't know for sure, but that may be the difference between a three seed or a four seed or a four and a five seed. Or if we lose it, we may not want to get bumped down. So <laughs> we may not want to put ourselves out there. So what do you think about the latest with all these permutations? Um, it's it's starting to look a lot better for us. For a while, we were projected to finish fifth. We are now projected to finish a half game above St. Louis. But the thing that worries me is if we go into that Saturday, was it March fifth? And like it's out of our control, you know. Like if yeah. if we go into it a half game up, but or excuse me, tied, I guess it would be or whatever it is. I, and St. Louis is able to jump us. Um, on March fifth, that's gonna be that's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be uncomfortable, and um, I would hope that if St. Louis beats, I think they play Richmond on Friday. If St. Louis beats Richmond Friday, I really do still think that the A ten and Bonas and GW gotta work something out because yeah. it just looks more and more. If St. Louis can win that game, it looks more and more like the double buy could be within a game or a half game. And like, you gotta, if you, if you're going to be fair, I know you want like your scut your bracket set on that night on Saturday, but you gotta really like be fair to a team. That's your consensus preseason number one and is fighting for a double buy. Yeah. And there's time to do it and it's in DC and we're on yeah. the same page on, should we be playing this game? And the answer is yes. So yeah. I think we still just need to be Richmond fans on Friday. We need uh, we need Chris Mooney to come through for us in a big game. I don't even – I can't even believe what I'm saying as I'm saying it. Like Chris Mooney in a big game. Oh, boy. That's <laughs> – uh, oh yeah. No, I can just see the billboards already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh... I will say St. Louis has not looked as good. I – I think it was P- it might have been PD buckets that tweeted that we broke St. Louis. Yeah, they really haven't looked the same since we played them. And even at the second game at home, we were up by 16 points or so, and right. you know they they clawed back a little bit in the end. But it you know we were in control for most basically the whole game. Yeah, and St. Louis just to let people know they end the schedule with two road games at Richmond and Rhode Island and they have VCU at home and I mean I wouldn't be surprised if they lost any of those three games even Rhode Island Rhode Island is very weird I don't I think we saw a tale of two Rhode Islands I think Rhode Island played very well in the first half against us but Attaway was somebody who you know Mm -hmm. kept us in the lead the whole time yeah it was 19 points in the first half but I mean, Rhode Island certainly has the bigs to do some damage against St. Louis, so I wouldn't be surprised if St. Louis lost on the road. I don't think it'll happen, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. And they got hammered by Davidson. I mean, that game was that was over quick, and that was pretty pretty bad. I think that might have been when we heard, like, man, they just, yeah, we broke them or whatever it was said. Um, but it's still, I, I think we match up well with them. I do think we match up well with VCU. Yeah. I don't know who I would rather play if it's between Dayton or Davidson. Like, yeah, maybe like getting the three seed would be great, but maybe we would rather have a four seed matchups are everything in this sport. And we looked pretty bad against both those teams, but that, you know, that was during that stretch where we didn't look good against anyone. So I don't know who, I don't, who do you think, is a worse matchup or who do you, who do you want to see less between Dayton and Davidson? I think it's Dayton. I've seen Dayton clicking a lot more than Davidson recently. Dayton's just, they, I was watching them play UMass on Wednesday night and they just 
rolled through them. And I know it's UMass, and UMass is not exactly the best team. But Dayton really hasn't been close either against all these bottom feeders of sorts. They they controlled the game against St. Joe's on the road. They were a little close at, Ro- at Rhodey. George Washington, they pounded. Dave Duquesne, they pounded. Really, other than the George Airjet game and that one weird George Mason road game where they couldn't even score 50 points, they've just looked tremendous. That 30-point win at VCU, what they did to us, it's just they're on fire right now. I I want no part of them. I want to be on the opposite side of the bracket from them. And maybe that's why we should be only worried about getting a four seed instead of a three seed. Cause I don't know if they're going to be able to catch Davidson since Davidson is a game up on them. And mm-hmm. that would really actually come down to the last day of the game or last day yeah. of the season. Next yeah. Saturday, they play Davidson at home. So Mm-hmm. it's too much it's it's too early to be doing the whole oh what seed do we want who do we want to avoid thing i personally don't think we should be wanting a rematch with date and i'd rather take our chances with davidson's three-point shooting and have a rematch of the game in 2018 at the same arena in dc <laughs> yeah true um i fully agree i Davidson has looked pretty average lately and dayton has not dayton has looked like the best team in the conference and we we definitely struggle with those like big athletic teams. Um, you saw it like uh, LSU last year, uh, and there's been several others, but Dayton definitely is that. Deron Holmes, runaway freshman of the year, should be first team All A ten. Yeah, um, he's a he is a handle inside. Um, I know they're just freshmen, but uh, our guys who are currently seniors were freshmen in you know in the A ten tournament, uh, and they made a, a run all the way to the championship. So, you know, just because they're freshmen at this point, they're, they're, you know, pretty used to the, the D one game. I know they got off to a very, very rough start, but they, I, we should definitely try to avoid them or yeah, hope to avoid they beat them. Kansas. They still have the best one in the conference, but I think the moral of the story with all of this is the destiny. It's in our hands. We control our destiny to get a double buy at least because even if we don't play that GW game, we have four losses. St. Louis has five. As long as we have fewer losses than them, that would be okay. But we want to thank you all once again for listening to us here on SB Unfurled and Friends. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at SB Unfurled or at X. If you don't already follow us, be sure to subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, wherever. I think we're on a bunch of other ones. I can't remember them all off the top of my head. And we'll be back next week, hopefully after a couple big wins against St. Joe's and ECU, and see where we are heading into the A-10 tournament. Thank you all once again for joining us.